0: Doug McClure from DougMcClure.net with another of our business transaction management podcasts. Today, we'll be speaking with Matthew Rodkey, who's a solutions architect in the IBM Software Services for Tivoli SWAT team. We'll be talking about architecture design and deployment planning considerations for the ITCAM for Transactions version 7.1 product. Please enjoy the podcast. If you have any questions or comments on design, architecture, and deployment planning for the ITCAM for Transactions version 7.1 product, feel free to leave a comment on the blog. Thank you.
1: Really, I think the best way to, to split it out, the way I the way I would look at it, and this is a little bit slightly different than the way it shows up in Passport Advantage or Extreme Leverage, um, but you have three primary components, right? You have the ITCAM for Response types product, you have the ICANN for ISM product, for, former Muse ISM, and then you have this transaction tracking product. right, So there's three bundles there. And then the response time product itself actually is broken into two subcomponents, right? There's a real end user experience product and a synthetic monitoring product. Yep. And then you can break it down even further because the real end user response time product comes in two flavors. It comes in the web response time product for web-based applications, and the client response time product for a fat desktop application like Lotus Notes or Microsoft Outlook. So, but if we response the response time product is a bit more mature, and it's been around for about two years now. Yep. And. The way that we always sold that product in isolation by itself was there's two pieces to dealing with response time monitoring. You have real end user experience, which is gathering SLA-type metrics from your real customers' transactions on your application, And then there's a synthetic component, which allows you to run periodic tests and do heartbeats and test what's going on in your environment. So I would just reorder a little okay. bit in terms of how they're split out. Okay. Know that in our, our packaging, we split that client response type piece out as a separate, if you look at the, the bundles, the way we package it. Um, but for me, that's the way it makes the most sense um, in terms of packaging. But that's it. It's a little bit of a nit. Uh, I, I think that you probably want to be, when describing, you want to be closer to what the, what someone is going to see when they actually go to download this stuff, right? Because we want to stick to the names that are in the, the packaging because that can help, help people understand what's going on a little bit better. Okay.
0: I'm very, very familiar with the ISM product coming from Micromuse, um, but I'm really trying to... I'm not really focusing on that area if you, because it's, it's one thing that's one. It's not, to, you don't get it for free out of the box. It's if you were to compare us to another vendor, to another vendor, to another vendor, it's, it's not something that anybody else really has. So it's a little bit of a unique differentiator and I don't want to go into that yet. I'm trying to really understand things apples to apples if I can. I, right. So, well, I, I think with the ISM, and the interesting piece for the ISM for
1: me is we're still not there yet at Pivoli figuring out how we tightly integrate that. Yeah.
0: with Yeah, it's still in the legacy legacy architecture.
1: Yeah, that's okay because it's got the workspaces, but for example, there's the ISM profile tool that runs in Tech, right? And they haven't merged that into this Application Management Configuration Editor, which comes with all the other transaction agents. It looks very similar. In fact, they use the design of the profile editor for ISM, but they're not quite merged yet, right? So, I mean, it, it, I, I, I agree, it's a little bit easier actually probably to keep it out of the story is a good differentiator because there are a lot of use cases where the ISM solves problems that nothing else can.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: And they provide a lot of value, but uh, that's kind of what I I left out of most of my discussions as well. Uh, You know, I think where I, in terms of looking at your questions, it's the place where I started looking at um, uh, you know, I think that can provide a little bit of good detail here is in terms of where do people start, you know, so your architecture, design, deployment, consulting, planning, preparation section. Yep. So the answer to where to where to clients start is there's always an it depends answer because what happens is customers are often pitched with a really pretty picture of a transaction topology, right? And they say, I want that, right? So it'll show the slide that has. A picture of uh, an end to end transaction topology for something, right? And they say they want that. But I think that the, when reality sets in and you start to kind of dig in and ask questions, what makes the most sense is to start with the RT product. And there's a couple reasons why I think you want to start with the RT set of products. First is it's there's a real quick time to value. Being able to understand what are the transactions in my various applications. Let me define my applications, define my transactions. Let me start monitoring them. Let me start understanding which are the slow ones, which ones are, are causing me problems. Is it my login transaction? Is it my transfer balance transaction? What is it? What, what transactions are causing me problems? Let me start getting alerted. Start doing some. SLA management on those transactions. Um, and that's really easy to get set up. The other thing that's really important to note about the RT set of products is, it's not invasive monitoring, right? So for the web response type product, for example, you sit on the web server, and in essence you're just sniffing network traffic as it goes through. You're not, you're not injecting any code, or instrumenting any classes, you're just watching stuff as it flows through. Same as said, the robotic transactions. You're just recording actions, playing back against the web app, and playing it back. So it's, it's not invasive to set up. It's not going to impact the monitoring itself. Is not going to impact the performance of the customer's application? And they can get a picture about what's going on. There. Right. So that's I think that's where you that's where you start. It's not necessarily where a customer is going to say they want to start, but when you actually start to get into the details, I think that that's the direction where we where we talk where we start to talk with them. The next step, and the next set of questions that the are always asked when they go through this, is okay. Now I'm monitoring my web app here. I know all the transactions. I know what's slow, what's fast, but this web application is really complex, right? It goes from WebSphere to DB2, and then it jumps back, and it kicks on the mainframe to do some processing, and then it comes back. And just telling you that my transfer balance transaction is slow isn't enough. I can't figure it out. And even if I just have resource monitors and megamons or ITMs on the various components, I still can't figure out why my balance transfer transaction is slow, what piece of that plumbing is causing it to be slow. So that's when we start to get into tracking this,
0: right? Because that's the components that brings in via the data collectors, you know, IMS and Kix and ARM and, and other custom data sources? Correct. So and the way that that architecture works, you
1: have – there's three types of components. There's a data collector, and it's a data collector is a generic term for – knows how to get transaction data out of a component. There's a data collector for MQ. There's a data collector for WebSphere, which actually is the ITCAM for WebSphere data collector. There is ARM, which can be used just to generate records that can be picked up by a data collector. After you have a data collector, you have what's called a transaction collector. And a transaction collector can actually live on your machine you're monitoring, or you can actually have just one for an application that things remotely send transactions to. So it collects data from data collectors, and then it feeds them up to a higher level component called a transaction reporter, which actually builds the reports, if you will, stitches together the topologies, puts together the pictures, and you generally have one transaction reporter in your enterprise that stitches together all of your applications right. that's sort of the, that's the way it looks but for each of those components right that you're stitching together really either it starts at the data collector level you're having to make changes to MQ for example make changes to WebSphere make changes to Kix in order to instrument the data and spit out these records for a data collector so that's it's an invasive tool to set up for monitoring, but it obviously does provide value. So the discussion has to be around, well, what's the trade-off, right? Is it, you need to step back and think which applications, or which pieces of my application is it really important for me to understand the interactions and the plumbing at that level? And is it worth it for me to give up X percent overhead on top of my normal transactions level well, to have that kind of visibility into what's going on. And that's, so that's that's where that discussion will come in. And I think that some customers will find, let's say they have a, a reasonably simple web application. you know, Go back to something as simple as one of our demos in WebSphere like Plants by WebSphere. Well, it does most everything in WebSphere. So really using something like RT to figure out which URLs and which transactions through the web app are going slow? It's probably enough because you can tell the developer that they can go and take a look at it and they can figure out the problem. Now you switch on the other end of the spectrum is something like, you know, Wells Fargo or Bank of America that got a web app that goes through a database and then it goes back into a whole bunch of processing on a, on some mainframes and it comes back. Well, there's a lot of moving pieces in there, and knowing what actually happens when you click on a button on the online banking web application, you probably do want to do a little bit of tracing in there to figure things out because there's a lot of moving parts It crosses many departments. Probably their distributed admins and their mainframe admins. Uh, So having something that tracks through that is probably very
0: valuable. Uh, So when we look at all these moving pieces and and components of the powerful IT cam for transactions, portfolio, what are our clients purchasing? Are they purchasing the whole enchilada or are we shaping that discussion to get them to focus on one or two components, which would get them to a expected value the quickest to solve their pain point the quickest are we deploying one type exclusively, as you mentioned, the RT family more than we are, you know, the TT family? Or I mean, is it is it vary every single time?
1: Well, it's still reasonably early days. We've only had a couple that we've gone through now, so there's not a lot of data to know for sure. But I think that the way that it's being sold in general is with these. Of licenses right we just sell them up front on here are the components that make up IT for transactions you can interchange the licenses and you know whether you can do more RT or more tracking there are interchangeable licenses for these various components so I, I think the initial sale you know this is part of the overall reason why Tivoli has drawn to this sort of a, a license bundle concept. is yeah. let's, let's now let you X number of licenses of this, and then let's talk about what makes sense on a customer-by-customer customer basis for how do we do that rollout. How do we best use those 100 licenses you bought? Is it 75 for RT components and 25 for transaction tracking components? Or maybe that's how you start and then you move that to more of a 50-50 split um, so I think part of the question is we defer making that decision at least at the, at the initial sales opportunity. But I think that the more deeper question that you're asking is, so how do we, how do we figure that out, right? How do we figure out what, what way to deploy? And I think that that really comes down to, if it's me, we, we have to ask the right question, right? So the customer, once again, is going to come back to you and say, I want end-to-end transaction tracking for my online banking application, right? Yep. That's probably going to be the first requirement that you're going to get. And we can come back and say, great, I can, for transactions can do that. But obviously, if we leave the conversation at that, we We're really fine. haven't gotten very far in terms of figuring out what's going on. Sure. So what I like to do, the next step for me are to start asking questions two forms. first one is just to get a logical view of what does that application look like. And I think it's very similar to the type of discussion you might have in the TBSF world for what does your business service look like, right? Correct. If I gonna start describing, we're talking a little bit more technical details here because we really care about, you know, what server is this and what versions of what servers and how do they talk to each other, what protocols mm-hmm. and whatnot. But it's that type of a discussion. give you an architecture diagram, right? So, what if so we can go through? This.
0: What if the client cannot articulate that?
1: Then I start asking questions things like, first, is it a web application? How do we access this application, right? So you start to ask questions about what in the environment, what type of middleware the what middleware platforms they use, right? Uh, oh, a very classic one that will come up is I've seen a number of engagements like this even before transactions came out where someone would say they wanted to do this and they'd say, oh, I run WebSphere, I want to track transactions. And then after talking to them a while, you'd find out that what they were really doing was they were going to a service-oriented architecture and it would really make sense for them to be talking to people about camp for SOA and not to hear for transactions. They want the topology because they have web services on all these machines going out through enterprise service buses. And but oftentimes, when you first start the conversation, they really just say, "I have this application that I use, and I want it to end tracking." Right? So you start on this transactions conversation, and you really need to start asking the questions: you know, Is this a web app? Is do you use WebSphere? And start to ask these kind of questions to figure out what are the components that make this up. That's the first. That's the first thing I would do, and I would agree that you'll, in a good number of the clients, you probably will not get all of the information that you need at that point. Uh, but it's a place to start.
0: Okay. The second, the second line of question, though, is also is around.
1: Tell me about some of the outages or problems you've had with this application infrastructure recently how you found those problems, how you fixed those problems, and what the impact of those problems was. Right? That's Those type of discussions can help us figure out questions like, well, do we really need to do tracking of this whole environment, or, or do these guys really only have seem to have a lot of problems around the real front end stuff, with whether it's load balancers or routers, I think, on the very front end of the application where the response time agents would be able to give us enough coverage to get most of these problems knocked out right away. So, understanding what types of problems they've had, what and, and in what manner they solved them, and in what level of detail they needed to go to solve those problems is also useful to figure out where do we want to attack first. Uh, and I think that that's just a, in general in the IT camp space. We get we work. And interview a lot with these technical guys that know the application, they know the types of problems they have. And then you have this layer above them, right, that's the line of business folks that they know that in the last quarter I've had three outages and it's cost me X number of millions of dollars for those outages. So attacking those outages, right, can satisfy both the low level tech folks who got yelled at by the line of business folks and the line of business folks that are keeping track of the bottom point to understand what 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 they've uh, you know what these outages have actually meant for them at a dollar and cents point of view. Uh, so that's the way. Those are the two strategies that I would start with in terms of line of
0: questioning. Uh, so who has to be who has to be a part of that discussion, right? Is, you know, realizing that you're in a, a pre-sales and supportive type role here is you know. I don't think that you're going to get very far having that type of discussion with the typical monitoring tools group people. Who do you need to involve in those initial discussions to ensure that we understand the client's expectations, their expected end result and value that they want to get if they make this investment?
1: One is that in general in the ITCM space, because you're dealing with this composite application that touches lots of people. Right? You might have, in, in a typical organization, you might have a group of people that do do their J2E servers, a group of people that do their database servers, and a group of people that do their mainframe KICS environment, and another group that does the IMS environment on kick, on on the base. Having to figure out how do you, first of all, from a technical point of view, you need to get those people who own a piece of that composite application into the picture so that you can start having discussions around, well, how often is it that one representative from each of your teams has to come and get on a conference call in a war room style call for six hours while you point fingers at each other to figure out, who really needs to fix this problem? Right. I, so that's uh, that's the technical answer to that uh, to that question. But I don't think you can even get to that right unless you have a higher level sort of line of business type sponsor who can pull those people together. Because oftentimes in your typical in your typical you know IT environment, all those people don't have very much to do with each other, and in fact they often resent each other because they're always on war we clubs each other, pointing fingers at each other about who's fault it. So I think you do need to have some sort of a overall line of business responsibility type person. And I would equate I think I would I would draw similarities to the type of people that you talk about T D S M and business dashboards with. Because I think that they're They share a similar view of the world in terms of the KPIs and the what is this outage going to cost to me, right? And really wanting to have a holistic view of what's going on in the whole application environment. Um, So I think that I would say it's probably somewhere in in a similar position that you would talk to when talking about building a business service
0: Dashboard. Yep, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that,
1: but I think the hard part—it's not necessarily hard to talk to that person. I think the hard part, though, is that is the first part is giving the technical people for those various components together and to say, look, we're investing in a solution that's going to reduce the amount of time that we have to spend going back and forth with each other.
0: Right. So, how important is it that? before we move into the proof of concept, proof of technology or pilot type activities that the clients truly understand the in-state expected value proposition from both an IT perspective, but more importantly, from a business perspective. Can we approach these projects from a pure technology perspective and expect to be successful? That's a good question. Uh, Realizing that, I'll ask if you agree, that nine out of ten times this business transaction management type technology is brought in in a very tactical, solve my problem, my pain point scenario.
1: agree with that. And I think that in the end, the way I tend to look at it is you work with, when you're on the ground and you're doing these pilots and these POCs, you're working with these technical folks and solving, helping them solve problems. But in the end, the people that make the decision as to whether this product truly is something that you know this customer wants to pay for. Have to have that business means. I, I want to, I'm going to pay this many hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars for this software deployment, and I'm doing that because I'm going to get this return because in X number of months I will be able to make up that cost in the amount of outages that I'll reduce. So I think you have you have to get those people involved, and I think that you hit the nail on the head. We we actually, even in the the IT camp for web sphere space, what we see tons of times in these pilot proof-of-concept environments is someone wants you to come in and solve the problem that they're having today, and uh, uh, using the POC as a vehicle, and then they're less interested in actually purchasing the product. After you've solved that problem, because now the problem solved, and we can go away. We're no longer in crisis mode. So I think that you're right. You do need to. I think that you do need to step back and actually have some understanding of and commitment of what the value is of the solution long term. Right? It's not just let me stop these crashes that I'm having in my environment that I seem to have every month. It's, Let me build a solution that allows me to be proactive and stay in front of not only the crashes that I'm having now, but I might have in the future, and really be able to say, look, that makes good business sense, because I'm running my business more efficiently. I'm not spending so much of my IT dollars chasing problems, because I've got a system in place that allows me to have the visibility I need to stay on top of those problems before they happen or at least solve them right as soon as they happen so I would I would agree I guess I would agree with that that you do need to have that kind of commitment uh, in, the per, in the perfect world and I don't know whether that always happens today right I think that you know that's, that's a, I always say that that perhaps in general when someone sells a solution like this, they're Probably talking to the IT management folks, right? The monitoring tools management folks, and look, I need a tool to solve this problem. to make people off my that, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that's harder. I would, I always, you know, I think kind of where you're going with that is, I think it's harder to make it stick, right? If you do that, you can solve this problem, but you're not stepping back and look at the bigger picture, so that that solution sticks and becomes pervasive, right? And That customer that's deployed the solution to solve one problem now is really deploying it to solve not only that one problem, but all future
0: problems in this environment. So are we doing anything as IBM and Tivoli to equip folks like you or our technical sales teams or our business partners to incorporate this type of message and, you know, sort of solutioning or or architecture and design to you know, can not only solve the technical problem, but truly link to solving the business pain points, which are the most important ones. Right. And ultimately making the sale, of course, and then moving and transitioning from a tactical tool to a strategic solution that, provides long-term value beyond the sales cycle, beyond the maintenance-renewal cycle? Um,
1: I don't really have a lot of visibility into whether we're doing whether we're doing that. Um, I guess I would hope that, that, that that's happening usually by the time... Usually that part of the process will have, will have already happened by the time I'm engaged. Okay. Like that. So I would hope that that's where we're selling, but I uh, I would say that down at, you know, my level today, sort of you talked about technical pre-sales, um, I, I think that more could be done to make sure that technical folks reinforce that message, right? So I think that one thing that's really, this is more of a general statement about. You know, software, enterprise software sales in general and the sales process, I think that making sure that your technical folks, whether those are business partners or or technical sales folks or SWAT teams, that they're on message with the way the product is being positioned and not just focusing on the technical problems. Because I think that there is a common thing to have this disconnect, right, where Have these sales guys who may be doing a very good job, they are selling that big picture, this overall solution, but then through the course of a proof of concept, that gets lost a little bit because the message is a little bit different and it's coming out from the technical folks that are implementing. Right. So I think that that's a challenge, and I think that's a generic challenge that you see across a lot of different types of products to make sure that. There's good reinforcement of the same message, right, of what what the the real value of the solution that you're putting out there is.
0: So there's obviously lots of discussions or dialogues or whiteboarding or workshops, discovery interviews that generally need to happen. So we're at a point where we can start working on an architecture design or deployment plan what what would you recommend that clients do to you know, address those things before starting the project before you know we're involved or our business partners involved so that we you know we can move the ball forward and have you know very solid information to work from.
1: understand what is the inventory of the components of your application or applications that you want to monitor. In essence, I would ask you to first draw the picture that you want to see on the single pane of glass showing your application topology. If you don't don't know About your environment to be able to know what those components are, start that investigative process, right? Because having that understanding greatly speeds the process up, right? Start to understand what's in your environment, what does that application topology look like. Then figure out where your gaps are. I mean, in today's business world, we have a lot, there's a lot of customers that outsource parts of their applications, right? You see it a lot of these SOA architectures where, okay, well, I have 50% of my services are running in-house on my own enterprise service bus, and then I call out to this credit card validation service over here. I call out to this check image validation service from another third party over here. So often it's difficult for the, customer, for the client to know about all that stuff, but starting to figure that out is probably the biggest step that they can go through. And I think that it's symptomatic of the problem that they're probably facing. And the reason that they need a tool like the ITCAM for transactions portfolio is they just don't have that kind of visibility. They don't have that data. They just know online banking went down. When it goes down, I call days. And then Dave gets a room together with all these people, and we start pouring over log files to try to figure out what's going on. But starting to their own interviews to figure out what's going on, I think is probably the single best thing that they can do to get started on this process.
0: So wasn't application discovery and dependency mapping tools, such as our Tatum product, supposed to help there? Or is that really... Is that really more of a asset discovery? You know, stick it in the CMDB type area. It is more of an asset discovery. At a
1: simple level, the answer is yes. It's more of an asset discovery because here's what most customers already know. Okay, well, I've got these two WebShare servers. You ask them a little bit more, and they can figure out how they're clustered together. I've got these database servers. I've got these kick servers, but. On that environment, I'm running 40 applications. They're all Webster applications that have some DB2 components and have some Kix components. So what I'm looking for is dependency mapping on a per-application basis. Application A this is this Webster application that when you click some buttons, goes off and does some Kicks processing in the back and it comes back. Application B, does some DB2 processing. Application C uses both DB2 and Kix behind the web environment. So we don't, Tatum doesn't really give you those dependencies um, on a per-application basis, especially unless, you know, if you happen to have an environment, which some customers might have, where they have one web server runs one application. Okay, well then the TADIM discovery can be mapped directly to a particular application. But that's not always true. So I, I think it's a layer that's a little bit deeper. Tatum I think can help you start to build that picture if you have nothing. And but there's still a level of dependency mapping that you have to do that's a little bit deeper than your map know, yeah.
0: yeah, Absolutely. I think those tools have matured over the past, you know, five years to really support the top surface of knowledge or visibility, you know, and mainly driving CMDBs or asset management. But they really haven't, and nor have the CMDBs in general, haven't matured to this logical stuff, right? Things that float across complex application infrastructure.
1: Right. I mean, if you use Tivoli's term, right, to float across composite applications. Right. Yep. So, you know that, and I think that you know if you want to take it a step further, right? Wouldn't it be nice since I for transactions with its tracking piece can build this connected topology of an application in transactions? Wouldn't that be nice to be able to map that to a business service?
0: Yeah, and, and apply yeah. change control to a transaction.
1: Sure. A- a- absolutely. So right now, you know, if we talk, we talk about it, right? We can get TADM to discover some stuff. We can build business applications and business services from that point of view, imported into DBSM. But that's still tied to assets, as opposed to this WebSphere server is running four application server instances. Each one is running two different business applications on it because it's a big, huge P-series frame that's running a bunch of stuff on it. So, I think that's logically where we want to go. And today, that's what we would ask our customers to do before we get started.
0: How will you help, or how do you sort of draw a box around the initial scope for a deployment, which is probably really important in your area where you want to do enough to be successful in the pre-sales activities, but is that... Do, you, do we think of things in terms of URLs or end-to-end flows? I mean, it's it's hard to you know I struggle with this on the business service management side. Is you know, how do you is it bigger in a bread box or smaller in a bread box? When everybody's bread box can be huge or, or or small.
1: Absolutely, and you know we try to do stuff like well X number of application servers, or but it's it's still this is very difficult. I think that the way I I would look at it is in a proof of concept pre sales type world, let's focus on picking one application, but pick a relatively representative application in terms of its complexity. Correct. So don't just pick the application that lived its whole life only on WebSphere, right? Don't necessarily go the other end and pick this application that's so complex that it touches fifty servers. But find that one that touches the right components. If you've got kicks, let's make sure it touches kicks. Right? And look at the right number of components, and I think that what's really key to making this decision, and this is, you know, I, I think there's choices here for both you know, the, the, the seller and, and the client here. From the seller's point of view, you want to make sure that all of the right departments and groups from within the client are represented by this application, right? If it's just one group's baby, it's much harder to sell the value because they're thinking about their own application, right? So, I think we try to focus it, I would say you pick an application, a composite application, maybe it's two composite applications, so that your agent count is reasonably low Right, you'd like to be able to go in there and not spend your whole time installing, but spending a lot more time showing value. But you're focused on the application level, but you're trying to make one that's representative, that gets that the client can feel ownership and all the various factions within the client can feel ownership of this application, Mm -hmm. and they can translate in their head the value they see there to whatever their pet application
0: is. Right. So you mentioned some of the key IT groups that need to be a part of this project or decision-making process when it comes to the end-to-end flow, but who would you recommend needs to be there from the business side? That's
1: a good question. Uh, it's generally, generally, we find that to be someone who has got like a director level responsibility over the IT operations. So in essence, I don't really know what this is, what this role is called in everyone's company, in anyone's company but it's generally the person that, they're probably the second line manager of most of the people that are doing the admin of these applications, but they're the one that, Gets drawn into the discussions, uh, you know, with the business when we have an outage on this application or they need to be the one that produces a report for, you know, how many outages did we have in the last quarter? You know, how are we doing on our overall SLAs? I don't know what that role is necessarily called. Okay. But in general, it's, to me, it's, it's usually been the director in order of the kind of the, of the
0: IT operations All right? But you use the word IT, so on the business side, I, the line of business, right, the the groups who own online banking from a business perspective, own ATM banking, own you know derivatives, own insurance, whatever those things are on the business side. Wouldn't it be important to invite somebody from those organizations to be a part of the decision making or project process?
1: to talk about when you want to figure out what is what is the actual goal of the project right because and you you're absolutely right there if you show pretty you can show pretty pictures and you can show the tech guys here's what I can show you in terms of your application but if all those pretty pictures and features aren't necessarily going to stop this customer from having outages, or save that customer money. So you really need that. It's not really, it's not really worth it necessarily. It's just another cool geek tool for the IT guys to play with. Yep. So I think you, you're right. You do need someone from the from the line of business there to really be able to say, "Here's what we need." Right? And usually, those are the type of people that are help with defining what are the SLAs. Right.
0: What's today, the, From the
1: line of business point of view, right.
0: What's the business impact? You know, how am I how am I truly affected when that transaction is slow, it's bottlenecked, it drops, it fails, the batch job doesn't complete. That's what I think of is those are the only ones, the only ones who have the real perspective in most cases to quantify and validate that impact.
1: Right. But I think it's that- where, where it differs a little bit, I think, you know, from when you look at it with it in, the, in the TBSM world, or at least the, the way I would look at it, is you're probably with those line of business guys, they're not going to care too much about this particular tool because the tool itself, and IT think transaction, transactions, yeah, it's the, is for the most part going to be in the domain of IT. Yeah,
0: but it's the data and the visibility.
1: For, correct. So it's actually, I think that where we're, t- we're talking with this is, that is really trying to build some connection between this data, right, and probably some sort of a business dashboard in a product like TBSM that those business guys might look at, right, right. and draw a connection between those two. Um, but I do think you're right. They need to come in and help. They need to be there from the beginning to help define... The project define what are the use cases, right? You know, they want to be able to, you know, keep track of how many outages they have, how long it takes to fix outages, and be able to reduce that mean time to fixing uh, to, to fixing outages. Right. So, I, I agree they need to be there. I just think that it's mostly from a requirements point of view, and probably from a from an they, they kind of need to be there at the beginning, helping to the project, and they need to be there kind of at the end so that they can see the value, and I think, but I don't know how, how involved they need to be all along just because, in essence, it's going to be a, a black box to them. Right? Yeah, the technology that's going on in there is going to be a black box as long as it provides the appropriate data.
0: Sure. If you look at the year that we're in and the economic conditions that if if I'm the IT manager and I want to build my business case for this investment, then if I've got the business side, the line of business on my side jumping up and down as a champion for this technology investment, then, you know, that's a, that's a win on my side, right? I, I have a better chance of moving this case and, and fighting for those budget dollars when I can truly align this investment to the business And the value that it can provide, and and get them to stand behind those quantified returns on you know, if we were able to solve these problems faster, prevent transactions from queuing up or slowing down or failing, then here's the real business savings, or increase in revenue, or more widgets you know pushed through the system. That's a that's a win win, right? Towards that sales process. Agreed, agreed. So I think that you you, you you're
1: right especially when you're talking about if I'm the, you know, Pivoli business automation sales rep that's talking to client X, I do need to make sure that I'm involving that line of business in the discussion and in shaping the value proposition. I would say that that's correct. It it falls a little bit outside of where, personally, I end up interacting because usually that decision
0: Understand. Well, hopefully, you're right. Hopefully, these podcasts will be absorbed by our sales teams and our business partner sales teams, and they provide benefit and a different perspective than they may have had before. One of the most common problems that I have personally ran into in my past, and I continue to see on the business service management side, is this animosity between the IT organizational silos. This group isn't allowed to or isn't comfortable talking to that group. How do you work through those political challenges, organizational challenges, when trying to work through and get the information you need to design, architect, and ultimately deploy uh, across to in a potentially hostile environment?
1: With, with that type of environment. I think that one of the things that I look to trying to do is, first of all, getting these silos and these groups focused on standardizing on a platform that's going to sit underneath all these things, which is why, really, I fall heavily on ITM at this point because I think that ITM can bridge the gaps because a lot of these silos can get value out of that by itself. So we talk about how, okay, each of these groups can do a lot of these things on their own. And now with IT for transactions, we're providing a layer that's on top of that common platform that allows you to share and stitch information together that you hopefully reduce the amount of time it takes you to do your work. And I think that the, you know, the biggest thing that you can do to reduce animosity is figure out ways to tell people that it will reduce the amount of time it takes them to do their job. Yeah. Because I think just about anyone, no matter what kind of animosity they have, can respond to that type of it's, it's, tactic. I,
0: how do we answer the what's-in-it-for-me question?
1: Aside from, from being less less work to do, it's difficult, I, I think. Um, I, I think the other, you know, is you can often find people, you know, I do this a lot of times in Camp for WebSphere world where we're talking about why it would be a good idea to have deep and transaction tracing through their, you know, Webster environment and back into their mainframe. because. You ask people, they say, how many times a quarter do you guys all have to get on the phone and sit around and basically point fingers at each other and saying, it's your fault, no, it's your fault, uh, and figure out what's wrong with the actual application. If we could reduce that by giving you a common, set of, a common methodology for fixing these problems, then a lot of the things that they make you bitter about your job or bitter about another silo over there will go away. So, and I'm not saying that that's an easy sell, but I really think that the focus has to be on let's get you to a common set of tools that make all this stuff Because For the most part, I think that that's a fairly common thing for anybody who does a job if you can figure out a way to Make their life easier. Yeah, uh, I think that that's something that you want to—that's what you want to play on. Yeah, absolutely. Not to say that that's
0: easy. Yeah, if we can get them one step closer to identifying, isolating, and resolving the problem, then that's a win in anybody's silo uh, that they may sit in. All
1: right. Now, I'll give you the flip side of that, though. So the flip side is. People tend to
0: do to behave and protect their silo oh, yeah.
1: because they think it gives them job security.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's. Uh, <laughs> I talk about this a lot on my blog and the need for significant organizational change to to really adopt things like business transaction management and business service management. It's got to be a top down type thing, right? You have to. People have to be incented. Through compensation, bonus, annual, you know, reviews, performance reviews. When you start to, to take that type of approach and you, and you incent them with money in the pocketbook that I, those things quickly fade away.
1: Sure. Absolutely. And I think that, uh, I think that also you'll see in the you know, current climate, the job security by just hoarding regard to one skill is kind of going to go away. Right? Yep. It actually, you need the people that are cross silo and you need skills that are cross silo to survive in this
0: climate. That's a perfect segue here into my next set of questions. Apart right, right now, apart from the Tivoli software, what types of skills or experience are required for the traditional monitoring tools group or the group who ultimately implements business transaction management to be successful in this area. It's a broad and deep technology footprint that we can cover with this. Again, apart from the Tivoli software, what other types of soft skills or hard skills do do, do we our clients need to have to, to be prepared to go end-to-end?
1: Skills and understanding of enterprise application architecture, middleware platforms is very very useful. Um, you know, what comes to mind is SOA, for example. Learning if you learn about you know SOA is just you know what one way of doing things, but With SOA, you can at least learn about, okay, well, what's an enterprise service bus? What are web services? How do they talk to each other? What are the typical components in this type of an application? I think you can do the same for web-based J2E applications. At least just understand how do all these components talk to each other and be able to at least get to a point where you can draw a whiteboard picture with boxes that says, here's how the data flows. I know I'm responsible for all of my banking applications. Here's what the architecture looks like. Here's what it does. And I think that, so, it, it's a step up from, okay, I'm a web server administrator. I know that I need to go look at my system out log. I need to look at my system error log. And I need to, you know, go and check certain things. I have certain tasks that I do when I deploy a new application, but I stay very focused on that. I don't really care or know about what's upstream or downstream for me in the application. I think you need to at least have an understanding of what the application architecture looks like. And if you're that web server administrator, at least understand well how do I connect to the back- my backend resources and how do I connect to my frontend resources. I don't have to have deep skills in any of those areas, but just understand how does that how does that interaction work so that you know that when you go talk to the person with these skills and the next thing downstream, you at least have an understanding of how that works.
0: Yeah, and I think another important part there is credibility, right? If if you can walk the walk and talk the talk to the app server guys or the database guys or the, the message bus guys or the mainframe guys, then that carries some weight to get you into the door to have that important discussion about... You know, how things flow, how it's architected, what types of expected performance should I have, things like that.
1: Yeah, and I think that, you know, like I said, I can fall back on SOA just because people have written a whole bunch about SOA in the last few years. You can get that kind of an education on SOA just reading web pages or books that'll give you that high level perspective.
0: Sure.
1: There are other apps, other types of enterprise application architectures out there that might not at least on the surface, appear to get as much treatment. And I think understanding that is very good. You know, what? what's the difference between the various different ways that I can connect my web sphere to my kicks on my back end? What's the pros and cons of using one or the other? Those types of things are great to have discussions with. Like you said, if you want to be able to go and talk from the web sphere guys to the kicks guys and have a discussion about that, I'm doing tracking now and I've noticed that we're pretty slow here. I know about this other technology I've heard about that might be used in place of the bridge we have right now. Why don't we use it or why might we use it? Will that help or not? You know, that's a real specific example, but I think that having those sorts of skills is is, is really important. That's the kind of soft skills you really
0: need. Imagine the value. Imagine a world where the monitoring tools administrator has the ability to affect change like you just described. That would be pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, there are multiple things that need to happen, right, To because the monitoring tools, and they're doing this, need to mature to the point where the monitoring tools administrator is no longer just staring at data coming out. He's staring at recommendations that the monitoring tools are giving him, right, right? So we're moving ourselves up a layer, right? We're letting our, we're trying to. We've done this typically with things like typically performance analyzer, right? So no longer, instead of just doing monitoring, we're grabbing monitoring data, doing some analytics, and saying, "Well, let's do some capacity planning based on this data. Let's, you know, do some trend analysis on this data." So I think that you're you're, right, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the world where I think we need to get to. Um, and I think that that will pull us out of those
0: silos, right? Right. If, um, absolutely. That, it'll it'll elevate the monitoring tools group from being the redheaded stepchild in most organizations that it is today.
1: Sure, absolutely. And I think that in the end, what it does too is it it, it closes the gap between business service monitoring, right, or you know, business dashboards and monitoring tools too. Right, yeah. those groups are separated by a gulf that's closing. Right, yeah. technology is helping us close that gulf between those two. But imagine if the knowledge base of those two groups goes together. Right, oh, yeah. you know, Maybe maybe that's you know from a technology point of view, from Tivoli, maybe that's the Tivoli integrated portal platform. Right, the right. place where that could start to happen. Right, but uh, I, I I think you're right. Uh, it's just, you know, we live in an age where we're gathering more and more and more information. But I think we can't get bogged down in the information, we have to be able to, to kind of float above that and, you know, have our people
0: doing the connecting of the dots and looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. That's bogged down. Keeping our eyes on the business goals and objectives. So, Absolutely. is Tivoli or should Tivoli be providing... Skills transfer, enablement—you know—special training to help clients be prepared for or have a better chance at long-term success from business transaction management. On some of those areas, like you know J two ee or interior application one hundred and one, SOA one hundred and one, mainframe one hundred and one—is—is are, are we are we doing any of that in our formal classroom education, or should we offer something that? Helps them be best prepared to work through all those things around the core technology.
1: I think we do, but I think our our, our I think the education focuses are how to use the technology to do the job, versus I think the utopian view is if you could actually have some training that actually defines a new job role, right? Yep. You know, what we've just been discussing here, right? There's really kind of a new emerging job role. It's, a, it's kind of a morphing of some of the existing yep. skills. But
0: I call it a business transaction analyst or a business transaction consultant.
1: And, and I think that I don't know that there's any training out there that, at least that I'm aware of, that, that, that takes us to that level. Right. So I believe that there there is, a lot of stuff around how do I use the tool and how do I use the tool to make things better. And By default, when you do that, you when you take that class and you pass it and you become an expert, you will, without getting the title, probably become one of those business transaction analysts or consultants. But um, I, I think that there's You could do more. There there could be more in the education world. I really think that from Tivoli's point of view, this isn't necessarily an educational statement, but I think that Tivoli's platform consolidation that's going on right now is going to really assist in not making these people that 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 need to fill this role learn new skills, right? Right. Doing IT for transactions doesn't require too many new skills above ITM. Now there are some that are, pro- there are some skills that are product specific, but I think that the technology is converging as well that makes it easier, so that there's not so much, you know, there's not quite as many textbooks that you have to go through to become proficient. Right.
0: Technology space. So that's a, a perfect segue into the next two scenarios. Assuming that we sell the IT camper transaction product into a Greenfield client who has no previous investment in the core Tivoli monitoring portfolio, what are the prerequisites that a client and their staff must have in terms of? experience and capability to be successful with this product, right? When they don't have that ITM background to to lay on, right? In, In essence, they have to learn two very complex products. Right. How do we help them be successful now with this core foundational product, ITM, and use that and get that, Architected, designed, and deployed in such a way that they can be successful with the key product they had interest in, ITCAM for transactions.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I think that the first the, the first thing is I think we have we have to focus on basic skills on on the ITM platform. Um, the way I look at the ITM platform and uh, everything that runs on top of it is it's just data feeds, right? Um, every type of agent, every type of thing we do is just data feeds, and let's assume with this type of a customer, right, okay, well, they were looking at here for transactions to monitor sort of WebSphere, maybe two KIX application that they have. So let's assume that they do have some experience with those middleware platforms, right? So what we need to do is we need to say, what well, those middleware platforms, look, here's the data feeds we provide from each of those pieces of the environment. And here's how this platform, ITM, takes those data feeds and presents them to you and allows you to manipulate them. So I think that there's there's, there has to be a level of base ITM skills that are through through some sort of education that is transferred to the customer. And then you focus specifically on... uh, on the transactions related skills. But what I find, and I think this is an interesting side note, I see the same problem in our energy management space, right? Where you get a customer that wants to monitor the power consumption of their data center, but they don't have any tools like IPM in their environment as well, which they need to put in in order to do this. So oftentimes I find it with those these types of customers, the discussion comes around, okay, well we need to start talking about what were you doing? You know, assuming it's a customer of any size, were you doing any enterprise monitoring before? What were you using? How were you solving some of the standard monitoring challenges that we feel that most customers run into and need some set of tools to solve? So it kind of allows us to talk about, well here's, okay, we put in IT camper transactions now, We've taught you how to use it, but really, we've identified a place where you might just need some basic database monitoring, some basic, a megamon for ticks monitoring, or a megamon for messaging on your MQ, or just operating system monitors on your servers in your data center. So I think that happens as part of the process, at least in, in a lot of accounts that I've been involved in, where they didn't have something like that. The discussion started, well, how did you do it before, and...
0: Wouldn't you like an easier way to solve all of these problems? Um, right. So do a little we, bit
1: separate from the education answer. The education answer is I think it's, you start with some basic ITM stuff and then, and then have to go on the transactions. I think that you just have to do that. But
0: so do we have an ITM for dummies <laughs> book or class that <laughs> could provide a quick start, or is it pretty much our clients who choose to invest in this technology with no previous Tivoli core monitoring exposure. Do they need to invest in formal classroom education for both products to be successful?
1: I, I, I would think that the, I, I would think that they do. Um, but I think that it's more likely that you can do formal classroom education pricing care for transactions um, with some probably quick start based to use a, our services term, uh, ITM education that went as a part of your, sort of your quick start process.
0: Sure. really, I, I think that, in general,
1: the basic skills for ITM can be picked up reasonably qu- reasonably quickly. And then what you end up doing is, if you're going to have an ITM platform under ICQ for Transactions, you probably are going to have someone that's responsible for actually administering that on the server side and dealing with scaling and other sorts of issues like that. That particular entity may end up having to do some more advanced ITM training. But if you talk about the general people that are going to work with ITM for transactions, really is okay. They need the basic basic training on ITM and then focus that training on ITM for transactions, which will inherently give them a lot of the additional skills that they need as a user of ITM.
0: Sure. So the second scenario is we have a client who's a seasoned ITM, typically monitoring client who's been through many upgrades, uh, fairly savvy with agents and agent builders and universal agents and all the things ITM Is ITKM for transactions a no-brainer for them or do they need to acquire some new knowledge or experience to be able to incorporate that into their existing ITM environment? Um, I would say there
1: are... um, You could probably break out the transaction portfolio to things that fall into both of those two buckets. The RT... Products and the ISM products are pretty much no-brainer installations because they are similar to the majority of the other ITM agents that are out there. They're non-invasive agents. You, if you know ITM, if you know how to install an agent, you install it. For example, let's talk. We can talk about web response time. You stick that on your web server. You tell it. Where your, web, where your install directory is for your web server and what port it's supposed to be on. Questions that are really easy to get in a single email from your administrator. You don't need any password access or anything like that. So from a deployment point of view, if you're a seasoned ITM customer, deploying the RT side of ITU for transactions, the ISM side. Simple, straightforward, no problem. The transaction tracking side, on the other hand, will involve a bit more skill because, like I said earlier, the data collector portion is inherently by nature a bit more invasive. It has to instrument code as it runs through this piece of middleware, right? So you actually have to make changes to the MQ server or changes to the WebSphere server or changes to the KIC server in order to actually extract that transactional data out. So that would require some more skills and some more training when you were looking at the tracking team. Then I guess on top of all of that, so that talks about you know what kind of skills are deploying the product. If then you're talking about administering the product, so using the application management configuration editor to define applications and transactions and things like that, that also requires some a specific set of skills for IT camp, but none of that is difficult. It's a fairly intuitive and fairly easy to use product. I would say that people that are reasonably savvy in the space could probably pick up the manual and start using it themselves. Or some basic usage training could could get them going pretty quickly on the on the product. Um, so, in the you know existing ITM customer scenario, it's really the tracking piece. That would probably require some additional training, skills, and perhaps, you know, handholding with our services or a business partner type deployment to to get that to get everything working and running correctly.
0: Okay. So we've had a lot of different workshops. We've had a lot of different discussions, discovery interviews, dialogues across the client's IT organization. Are there any other types of things that we need to collect from a client that we haven't already talked about to be fully prepared for starting an IT camper transactions architecture and design?
1: I think from an architecture point of view, that's basically everything that we need to collect. From an implementation point of view, we do need to go down in the weeds a little bit more because, as this is a reasonably new technology, versions of you know what version of WebSphere or WebLogic or MQ are you running? That stuff starts to become important from an architectural point of view. That's less it's less important. Um, but so I think that we've really discussed basically everything you need from an architectural point of view. Let's talk about. You know what's in, what's in your environment. Um, there are things that become important to someone like myself who's going to actually technically implement a proof of concept. You start to do a little bit more in terms of, uh, you know, versions of middleware. Okay. Um,